This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need from America's Mortgage Mentor. With more than 30 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings, you'll learn to take your mortgage practice to new heights. Certified Mortgage Planner and CEO of KineticSparkConsulting.com, here is Jennifer Duplessis. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. I um, thank you so much for coming back and listening into um, helping you be better at what you do as a mortgage lender. Um, and today, I'm excited to introduce our guest, uh, Jason Troy, who is with Jason Troy Coaching. And um, he's a leading expert in human behavior during um Daring Leadership and Relationship Building, and is the author of the book called Social Wealth, How to Build Extraordinary Relationships by Transforming, Transforming the Way We Live, Love, Lead, and Network. So welcome to the podcast, Jason. I'm happy to have you. Hey, well, thanks for having me on the show and speaking to your fantastic tribe. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so we want to dig right in. One of the things that you and I were just talking about, and I'm going to frame this for everyone else, is that as loan officers, what tends to happen, and there's exceptions obviously, is that we're out networking and we get a card. And we think, I have a card, I'm going to pop them into my database, and now I have a relationship. And that obviously is incorrect. Or we take the next steps and maybe email them and think we have a relationship, you know, about getting together for coffee. Or we're fortunate enough that we are able to meet with a realtor or a referral partner and have that one meeting and leave the meeting thinking, hey, I met with them, they know what I do, and now I'm going to sit back, I have a relationship. And I know that's wrong, but we have such a hard challenge in our, in our industry, and then I think in any sales, on how do we really truly develop these relationships? How do we sit with someone and develop a relationship and not be in a position to uh, info dump on products? And then what are our follow-up steps to really, really develop um, strong relationships with people that, uh, that we like? So yeah, I know that's I mean, a loaded I think, question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that you have to take a look at it in the beginning of any relationship it's about the perceived value of what it is that you're giving is how you start to build a relationship, right? And so that's the key part of it. So if you're a loan officer and you are meeting with a prospect or a person that you've worked with before, their propensity to want to work with you and do business is their belief in the perceived value that you're giving that other person, right? So I'll give you an example. Right. So one of the – I've talked to really, a really successful person uh, in real estate. I have a friend in California that's absolutely crushing it. And what they've done is they call people in a certain neighborhood and leave them a message or email them and tell them what their home is worth 
um, approximately and what other homes have sold on that street, right, mm -hmm. um, or in their complex or wherever it is. And so at that point, you're giving someone a lot of value because you're telling them what their home is probably worth, right? And you're also telling them what other homes are on their street. So now they actually know, should they buy, should they sell, what this, should they do overall, right? And they did the same thing, another friend of mine did it in commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. and crushed it in his early 30s, which that's really a rare to do at that young of an age. And it's the same way he did. He went over to big buildings and told them how much the buildings around them were worth. Well, then the person who owned that specific building would know what price they could get for their property. And that is a huge value add. So you have to go look in any relationship, and that other person has to believe you're adding a significant amount of value to them because if not, they're going to be thinking that you're selling and that you're taking from them. And when people feel like you're trying to take from them, they recoil. Right. Okay, so so obviously providing value. So let's just take it in the context because those, those specific, that specific um, example was uh, reach, you know, uh, doing cold calling and reaching out and and you know maybe even emailing the information. What do we do when we're wanting? Because here's here's where the the issue is. We hear all the time, it's important to go deeper. It's important to go deeper. And I think it's so yes. overused now, because no one really understands how do I go deeper. What are the steps to going deeper? So I'm sitting with sure. a realtor, and I, I got the one to one right, and I'm sitting with them yep. and and. Number one, don't you think I need to be prepared? Well, of course, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that goes without saying here. I mean, if you're not prepared with all the data and trying to make that 30 minutes or hour you have for that person extremely valuable for them, I mean, you're not going to go anywhere no matter what you do, right? Because that person is taking time out of their busy day on, a, on something that they probably don't want to do right, or it's a nuisance, or it's a lot of stress, or it's problematic, or they're scared, or they haven't done it before, and they're really nervous. So you have to be doing your homework and be prepared right ahead of time. So I think that goes without saying. And if you don't know what that preparation is, you should be talking to very successful people that you know in the industry and learning whatever their best practices are, and then mirroring their preparation, right, because that's the key. I mean, you should know these things, not because you figured them out on your own. It's that you talk to smarter people who can show you what to do. And I, I found that's the key. It's sort of rip off and, you know, leverage yeah. from other people. Don't, <laughs> right. don't reinvent the wheel. You are not going to be the most successful person if you try to do it all yourself. So I think preparation is key in finding out what it is, how it is to be prepared at the highest level and provide the most value in any you know, interaction you have with a, you know, client or prospect. Okay, you're right. And I, and I totally agree. So we want to be prepared. You know, we don't want to just wing it and go there, um, you know, with the intent of just saying, well, we're just going to have a chat and we're going to see how things are going. Because honestly, it's a waste no. of your time, right? That's you a waste of have, their time too. Well, sure, sure. And I, and I think getting to know people is great, but there has to be, uh, you know, this threading in or sprinkling in of, um, uh, the questions, the poignant questions that are going to give us the information that we need, but both both have that dialogue back and forth. Now, what I find yes. 
is that a lot of loan officers, when they're doing this kind of meeting, they jump right into products. You know, they jump into sell, 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 rather than develop relationships. So what kind of advice can you give us as it's related to the preparation and the, um, the questions that we might be asking or the information that we might um, be trying to gain from them? What kind of questions could we be asking there? Right. I mean, I think that the key thing is even if you take a step back and thinking, how do you develop a great relationship with an individual and how do you do it quickly? It's, it, it's the basic building blocks of any relationship are rapport, mm -hmm. likability, and trust. Mm -hmm. And if you don't build each of in each of those areas, you do it at an extremely high level, you will not create enough intrigue for that person to want to follow up and do business with you or get to know you. It's just, it doesn't matter whether it's personal or professional. Right. But I tell people that you have to do those, th those three things. And, you know, building rapport is all about finding common ground with people. Mm -hmm. And you can do it in two ways. I mean, there are nonverbal ways that you can do it um, through NLP. And there's a lot of other things through body language. Amy Cuddy wrote a great book on it. Um, she's a Harvard professor on body language, which is fantastic. And I think that definitely does play a role in building rapport. But the other side of it is that you need to connect with that person through the questions you ask at an emotional level. And the key thing is, is you need to get to know who they are as a person before you can recommend products because you don't really know what it is that they need. And right. you don't even know if it's in their best interest to sell the place they have or buy, right? And so your right. job needs to be not to worry about what you're selling. You should be thinking in the best interest of the client and what do they need because that's repeat business. Because if someone knows that you are looking out for them, they will pretty much just hand you their business and be the big, biggest advocate for you. So sometimes having someone walk away from the table actually will bring you in significantly more business than closing the deal. And that's what people don't focus on because they're looking at it as, as takers or and that's what the world is divided into, takers, matchers, and givers, right? And mm -hmm. takers are people that take, and they look at world in a, in a scarce mentality. Matchers are, I will help you, I will give you a dollar, but you have to give me a dollar back. And that's very, uh, like, not successful because you're keeping a scorecard. And as soon as something comes a little bit out of balance, then you stop providing value, which is why you won't be successful. And givers, they're successful if they give within boundaries, meaning you will help someone and you will do whatever's necessary, but you'll not be taken advantage of, right? And when you can do that and not worry about the scorecard mentality, abundant, it will be successful. So if you don't look at the world in an abundant mentality as someone who's selling something, you will not be successful. I don't care who you are. Um, you'll really be selling yourself short. But I think the key thing is the building blocks is when you get to rapport, you have to either really engage them on a body language level, which is harder to do, and you have to really practice and get to know that part of it. And the other part of it is you, you just ask them questions and get to know them, right? And questions are qu such as, you know, what's exciting that's going on in your life right now? Right? What are you passionate about in your life? I mean, you want to try to get to know the people to understand their lifestyle, what's going on, what's important to them, what are their priorities? What do they want to do in the next five, 10 years? Um, and, and really, because that's going to all help you understand what product you need, right? And the important thing is to ask the questions, 
and then it is to listen because listen is the number one way to build likability, right? It's not talking. If you sell and eat too much, then you will not be successful because you're not listening. You're too worried about saying your next words and you're not going to be present, right? And that happens all the time with people. They basically just, they're in a conversation and they're not really listening to someone else. They're thinking about the next thing that they're going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And, and you know, uh, getting back to the rapport piece, I want to ask you about this too. And, and, and this uh, has something to do with the likability and the listening. I hear a lot of people when they're building rapport, I, I, I hear it in networking when I'm out networking and someone will ask, a question, an open-ended question. So tell me, you know, how, what, why'd you get into the field you're in? And um, someone would, may say, their response may be, well, you know, I previously was a teacher. The first thing out of the, the person who asked the question, the first thing out of their mouth is, oh my gosh, my sister's a teacher, right? And they're trying to find the commonality and the rapport so fast that they're not listening to the person. So what do you feel about that kind of bantering back and forth that that is it a nervousness that people feel like they have to do that and find common it's almost like they're trying to glorify or one up them like oh I was a teacher too but really they're trying to find gosh it just seems like there's a fine line there between active listening and trying to build rapport and not breaking either well the greatest fear we have in life is disconnection because disconnection leads to loneliness, right? And if you go back in caveman days, disconnection meant you died because you were not part of the group anymore. So that is the greatest fear we have because disconnection means loneliness, means we're not connected with people. The reason we're in this world is to be connected with the people around us and also to create belonging amongst a certain small set of people that are with our, our family, right? And uh-huh. everyone, when they go out, wants to have that connected because basically the opposite of that is you're out in a group of people is rejection and rejection is extremely hard for people because people take it personally, right? They start to create the stories in their mind of why that person's like them, why they don't want to do business, 50,000 things. And the reality is none of it's true, right? Brene Brown wrote a great book, Rising Strong, that goes through kind of the story process and how we think through this. And the reality is 90% of the things that we say are all made up. They're not even true. There's no facts behind them at all, right? They're just, they're just stories we've created about the reality around us. So you don't want to jump in and you, you can say to someone, oh, that's great. Like, I'm a teacher too. So like, what, you know, how did you make that jump? So you were a teacher, like, okay, so a mortgage officer. So why, why did you end up doing it, right? You should be asking questions. I told people that, you know, one thing I learned a long time ago was when I started to speak 30% and listen to 70%, it was a game changer. I built a lot of great relationships with people. And that's what I do all the time. And it doesn't matter how little someone knows about you. It's meaningless, especially in business. That's not, you know, that's not it. I was in a meeting with Forbes magazine and the CEO of my company probably is like 10, 15 years ago. And we talked about her cat and his cat. For 29 minutes, we had 30 minutes. In the last minute, he said, uh, I, I told you, you get it, right? Let's set up a time. I'm going to fly out to San Francisco, and let's go talk about the story that we're going to write. I'm going to write right. on you, right? So the story in Forbes Magazine talking 29 minutes on cats, right? Yeah. I mean, who would believe that, right? But that's <laughs> right. the point. 
Mm-hmm. You don't you don't talk about doing business. You get to know people because if they like you, they'll want to do business, and if they trust you, right? Which is a huge component of this stuff. And the third, I mean, you know, you build the rapport like ability, so that to build trust. And how do you build trust? Well, you need to be able to help that person, right? The key thing is when you ask someone in the rapport, so what are you passionate about? What are you excited about? If you can add value to whatever they tell you, they will trust you because the, what they are most passionate about or what's exciting in their life now is what they, their emotional connection is and what they care about. And that's mm-hmm. key. So you have to give them a suggestion. You know, they'll be helpful on something. You know, they'll refer a book, magazine article, a contact, something, right? And even if you don't, you could say, hey, you know what? I've got some ideas. Let me do some researching back with you on that. And that's really important because in the world of trust, the thing that disarms people quicker than anything else is when you lead by giving. And why is that? Because the only people that give to you without a scorecard are the closest people in your life. So psychologically, you put yourself in that inner circle, even if you're an acquaintance. So if you're doing business and selling something, whether it doesn't matter if it's what price it is, you want to be in that place. And right. so that's a really important thing to take in consideration, right? And I mean, there, and another great book is called Giftology by John Ruin, and he talks about how, you know, you can give specific gifts and how do you do it in business to really get ahead. And it's an excellent book for people to understand how can that sort of help you. And it can be for very low price items or higher ones, depending on, you know, the value of the client and, and, and the interaction to you. But you have to get, you have to get the point of trust by giving value and not wanting anything in return. You, you can't be fixated on the return part of it. Because if you are, all you're doing is matching. And you're going to get upset when everyone doesn't do that. And the reality is the world we live in doesn't operate like that. Right, right. And, you know, and I, I think by, by and whole, you know, a general, generally a loan officer is just more trying to break through the wall, the barrier to differentiate ourselves from every Tom, Dick, and Harry loan officer that's attacking realtors, you know. And so to a certain extent, it, it's that we, one, number one, have to overcome the stigma of what typical loan officers do um, in their questioning because, they, ah, you know, I've been, I've had one of those meetings with the loan officer. I really don't want to have that meeting again, <laughs> right, because they had, they had right. a bad situation. Uh, bad experience. So we have to, one, overcome that stigma. And then the second part of it is um, make sure, and I think in this part, I do think that we're all um, pretty good about that, you know, saying, if I can just break through that wall, I I can create a relationship. Um, And I'm not about taking, taking. At least I hope the people that are listening to my podcast aren't about taking. They're about giving because they know that I'm very much a servant's heart. The problem then becomes now that we and, and I appreciate all the feedback you gave, and I can't wait to go look at giftology because I'm. If you're, have you ever read the book uh, Mr. Schmooze? I have. S C H M O O Z E. It's it's great because he does it all about um, relationship building and, and picking up on those little things that people say about. Oh, you know, we were sailing. Ooh, they like sailing. Send something to them about sailing. Um, yeah, yeah. But so let's Definitely. assume that we, you know, we get through this part. Um, we're listening. I like the first question. Um, you know, this kind of goes along with the frog process, you know, family, um, recreation, occupation, goals, you know, as you're developing rapport. So now we've gotten past that and we're, we're kind of, you know, sitting in this meeting. If we've all visualized this, we're sitting in this meeting, we're getting this rapport going and things. 
Should this meeting be long? Should it be short? And if it's short, how are we going to get enough time in to talk about us? Or is this now where we say, you know, this first meeting is about you, I want to learn about you, and then build the relationship by then having and scheduling a second meeting so that you have the opportunity to talk about yourself? Um, is it that cut and dry, or is a little bit of a bantering back and forth each time? I think it's a little bantering back and forth each time. And I think you need to read the person and understand it. I mean, if you're working with a realtor, the key thing is understanding what their past experiences have been with other loan officers, how they want to work with them, what's their preferred style, what for them is kind of like the holy grail. Uh -huh. And then you all, that will also help you then like get a offer to them that's compelling, right? right. So if it's that person... You, you need to understand, because if the challenge is the realtor's like, oh, I don't want to talk to another loan officer, and that's what's going on, well, then you need to react. That's an opportunity for you, right? Now, what you have to do then is separate yourself out by offering them the service on how they want it and how they want to, how they want to use it and what's most beneficial to them and then be that person, right? Now, if it's just a customer coming in, Again, right, you're going to want to make some sort of offer to them. I mean, you know, or tell them saying, here's some stuff on the table, um, right? And if you don't have enough time or, you know, they don't have enough time saying, hey, we need to sit back. And uh, first meeting for me is really important to understand where you are in your life, um, where it is that you want to head, because I want to make sure that if I'm offering you a service or a product, that I'm giving you what you need and trying to give you the best deal possible on it, right, and advise you in that area and not just hand you a stack of stuff and you figure it out, right, or try to send mm -hmm. or sell, upsell you on the thing that's going to be the most profitable for our company, right? I mean, I think you need to be upfront and tell people that. I mean, I, right. I think it's important, right? It's kind of like, you know, again, I have friends who are great realtors, and, and, and I've talked to some of them, and a couple of them, I, I've helped them by telling them that every time you have a buyer and seller, you need to have them both tell all their warts in the beginning of whatever's wrong. Because right. that way what will happen is that the individuals will trust the other person a lot more and they'll actually know what's all going on. If you try to hide things, what happens is it comes back to haunt you because that's when people get really upset and people and let's just say that happens and you're the seller, well, don't, that real estate agent, I mean, they're going to know who it is and that's not going to be a good transaction because that person is going to badmouth that other person, other people, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to be telling, you need to be looking in the best interest of the person. And that, that right. needs to be forefront and center because referrals are how you'll make more money than anything else. Because people right. come, it's free money, right? right. So you've got to right. be adding value in that meeting and stacking the meeting and spending the time um, in that way, whatever time it, it needs to make. Now, you know, you have to, you can't be dilly-dallying around, but you need to spend time understanding that person and their circumstances. And I think the more you do it, the faster you'll be able to figure out that person and what it is that they need and see their body language and understand what's going on, right? And then be able to read and react and figure out where to go next. Right. And I think that's a really good point, too, because... You know, we know going in, if it's a successful realtor, we know going in, they already work with another lender, so let's just go and figure out who they are and figure out 
you know, what do they do great? You know, who do you work with and why? What do, what do you like about working with them? What do they do right? What, what, do they, what don't they do that you wish they would do? You know, learning more and more about um, that person rather than um, just staying with the circumstance. I say circumstantial. It's not really. But, you know, what are you excited and passionate about? Because they might say sailing. Okay. And so you want to stay on that. But you've got to direct that that meeting towards the business questions instead of saying, well, I just met a really good friend. You know, they're really fun. I like them. They like me. But we didn't even discuss business. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, is what you can do is look at really successful, um, you know, people that are doing exactly what you're doing. And if you live in, you know, Ohio, you can call people that work in California, Arizona, because they'll tell you everything that they're doing because there's no competition. I mean, you're not working on competitive bids, right? So look in places like that, and you can just email and contact people that are really successful, and you'll know who they are, right? I mean, you can look and Google them and find them out and then ask them what they're doing, and then that will be your best practice mold, right? It's what people don't do, and I don't really understand that because it's simple, and you can find out how to be highly successful, what to ask, how to, do, how to leverage the transaction, right? And not everyone's going to be giving you gold nuggets, but what they do is there'll be pieces of it that they will. And you can piece together what all these people are doing and create your sales process that is in the best interest of all the parties. Right? Yeah. And I think that is where you can separate yourself out and you also then have to care about other people, right? You have a database of people. Well, someone who's buying and selling a house may not do anything for a long time. Well, you know, then you need to stay on top of mind. And how you do that? Well, like one great idea would be everyone gets Christmas cards. And you know what? It's so, it, it, people just throw them away. Well, send people a Thanksgiving card right. or a Fourth of July card once a year or twice a year and stay top of mind. I mean, you need to be doing stuff, right, to be in your database of people to stay top of mind. And, and that's really important because they will recommend and refer because people all the time are asking each other, well, who, what mortgage person using, what real estate person, right? So these are easy things to do that you have to start instituting inside of your business um, to stay on top of mind of people. Right. Okay. So, and, and I agree with all of that. And I think, uh, you know, I definitely do that. And I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people uh, listening have started doing that or, you know, are doing it because they've been listening to the podcast. So let's go, let's go back to, because those are, um, I always talk about don't hide behind keyboard confidence. Don't make everything that you do with someone an email. You know, don't make everything agreed. you do a uh, mailer, right? So uh, agreed. I'm, I'm talking about just that personal relationship. So we've met with this person. We've asked the right questions. We've built the rapport. We like ability to trust. And we think that this is going to be a great fit for both of us. And we both agree to it. What are the next steps to continue that relationship? Because I think what we all in lending think is, well, I've already met with them. They already know what I do. I already know what they do. They just need to send me business. <laughs> right? So how do we continually perpetuate that personal relationship? Is it something that we should be meeting with them on a quarterly basis or a monthly basis? And what do we do when we talk to them again? How do we go deeper? Oh, I hate that Right. Word. Well, I think, right. I think you need to, I think what you need to do is evaluate what that customer value is to you, right? Because a personal touch means you got to spend time with them, right? So I think mm -hmm. 
you know, with a lot of, you're going to have to figure out who are the people that you need to touch, you know, quarterly, you know, every six months, every year, or people that you just have to transact with via email. And I, I think that is fine because sometimes the value is so low that it's not worth it, right? And you have to understand, right. like, and look at what the what level of referrals they could have and everything else that's going on. And I think then you meet with them at that point, right? And I think mm-hmm. the key is is understanding what is it that they need, what challenges, what problems, um, what's going on, and then you need to be able to add some value to them in that conversation. And again, it doesn't have to be a lot. It just needs to be something, right. right? And everyone needs something, and you just have to figure out what that is Uh and how you can be of service to them in the process. And I think that's what you do on a continual basis to the people. I mean, I don't think there's any magic in that other than you need to ask the question. So, like, what are your challenges going on right now? Like, what what things are you facing in your life now that are causing you hardships? Is there something you're trying to do that's not having success with? Anything else that's really a thorn? And then you can figure out what to do because the loan officer – Either if you're on the commercial side, there's a whole host of issues that people have, right? They have problems with tons of stuff. If it's on the you know, retail side, then people have problems with their home, with their children, with all the other stuff. So your ability to build a network and have referrals and great people to work with is going to enhance your ability um, to be successful. Because you could be giving leads to other people, and you could actually – make money off of that as well, right? I mean, that's we not We can't illegal. in our business, yeah, unfortunately. Oh, you can't? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, well, we you can pass it along. So yes. you, what you can do is pass it along, and, you know, then other people are apt to want to pass you a lead along. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you can, do, you, can do, you can do that, and so that may be helpful, you know, as well. So, I mean, you just got to – you have to think to yourself all the time, and this is where you have to keep a spreadsheet, right, and you can use – there's all these CRM tools you could use, or you can use something like a Google spreadsheet. I mean, there's yeah. 5,000 ways to do this, depending on how you want. You just have to sit there and structure it in a way that you understand the people. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so for what I do, for example, is I categorize them as A+, plus, A, um, B, and C people, and I have definitions for each one of them, you know, based on how much business they've given me, maybe what business, you know, the potential they could be based on the business they do, the likability factor, um, and that tells me how often and frequent I'm going to connect with that person. You know, so if they're a C, they're just in my database and they get all my mailers and all this fun stuff. But if they're an A+, plus, we're going to have that ongoing relationship with them. It's, ha- it's like having, you know, a brother and sister all the way to a second or third cousin. You know, you see the second, third cousin every once in a while, but the brother and sister you're talking to on a regular basis. Um, Okay, so so that's good in evaluating. Would you recommend, so if I'm meeting with a real estate agent or a referral partner and um, you know, I've identified some challenges and problems and I've got, you know, let's say seven different things that I could help them with. Do you recommend um, info dumping all of that or do you recommend holding that back and saying, let's go after, you know, here's one way that I could help you. And so maybe what we could do is a joint first-time home buyer seminar and maybe just focus on that for a while and sort of... Yeah, I would focus on, things. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I would I fo- focus on one I, thing. Focus, yeah, I, focus on one thing at a time. I mean, I think the most important thing is you, you need to help them and be focused on something that you can execute. And what's help, the more targeted you are and the more specific, the more you'll be successful. Because when you throw kind of a whole 
like we can we do it all like seminar or or whatever it might be you're not going to be very successful right the other thing you can do as well is that if you have um let's say you have a bunch of really successful realtors right you could bring them together right you can you could host a dinner a brunch mm-hmm. a lunch with three or four people and saying, you know, I really think, I really think you all might get along. Um, and I wanted to bring you together, uh, because you're all rock stars and I, you know, I wanted to keep it to a small group of people that I know. And so, and, and, and that's all, that's a great way, right? Because everyone wants to meet a new person. Yeah. And now that's, and you're providing a tremendous value. And again, I bet there are probably almost no loan officers that do that. You're, you'd probably be in the 0.1% of people in your area, which should be large or city that would ever even do that. So that's an easy way and it costs you a penny, right? I mean, that's a a lot of value because they can help each other because most Mm -hmm. likely they're not going to be working in the same area, doing the same thing. They know people and everyone wants to, you know, and it's not saying that like you bring four people and they're all going to be best friends jumping around, but you just need them to one, um, a couple people like each other and do business and that will come back to you. And the other two people will be thinking, well, that person's pretty thoughtful and the rest of the loan officers I deal with, no one's ever done that before. And so then they're going to be thinking about you differently, even if they got nothing out of it. So you have to be thinking about how you can add value and typically bringing people together is the easiest way, right? And if you're going to do a seminar, then think to yourself, what can I do to help that real estate agent make that seminar and hit it out of the park and be the best possible seminar they've ever had? Like, what do I need to do for them to make that experience easy, fun, like how can, whatever it might be, and then do exactly that, right? Because then if that happens, that person's going to advocate working with you with other people because it's not like they're losing anything by doing it. Right. Right. So, right. And, and, so you've you got to be thinking about all these things and how you can differentiate yourself in a business like that. Um, and, and I think you can do some huge steps and strides very quickly. Yeah, and I know that that's one of your specialties, too, is talking about the creativity and the innovations that you can use yeah. to, you know, strike up your business. So, you know, again, your book is Social Wealth. So if anyone wants to read the book, I'm sure you have ideas there, but we certainly can connect with you as well. All right, so we've talked about the one-to-one. Let's move on um, to the second thing that we are the second or last one that I want to talk about which is um, sure. what are what are some of the secrets to working a room to create extraordinary relationships so we talked about the one-on-one now let's talk about the group setting what are some of the tactics that you can help us with to strike up a conversation quickly when we don't have a scheduled appointment right so if you're in a room full of people you have to remember that People are there as it's a business or social function to meet other people. Uh-huh. I mean, you, if you, I've asked tens of thousands of people this question. Like, so, do, you know, do you need more friends or more close relationships or better? And, and a lot of times people will say no. They're like, well, I have a lot. But they'll, uh, I say, well, what if I introduce you to a person that you may have some in common to do business with? Every person says yes. Uh-huh. I, I've, there's not a person that said no to me yet. So the point is in those settings is that everyone's fear is not meeting a person who can help them either personally or professionally. So one of the things that you can do is introduce people to other people. Mm-hmm. And what I, I've done, that I did this for a long time. It is the number one goal in working a room 
that people don't do that gives you the most social influence and will help you and build the most social capital is any one thing you could ever do. And I've done this, I started doing this, and I walked into charity events or philanthropic events, and I do this, and I wouldn't know anyone in the room. And how you do it is you go to the bar is the easiest place, right? And it, you don't, you can go to the bar and not you get water or whatever. Like it's not, you have to get a drink, but it's just a place where people congregate. And you just ask, you know, you can look at the person on your right and you can say to them, so, you know, how's the week going? What brought you to then? It doesn't really matter what question you ask them because people always ask me what's the right question, first question. And I'm like, it really doesn't matter to say anything. And then there's, and if there's a person on your left, which there usually is, all you, all you need to do is literally take your hands out by the side with your index fingers, move them across your body, right? And as you're doing it, you just say, hey, you two should meet each other. I think you'd hit, really hit it off, right? And, yeah. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the people, their head are spinning around about the other person. They're not even listening to you. All they want to do is they're thinking about what they're going to say. Might I like this person? Who really knows, right? So they're so focused on that that it doesn't matter what you say. You could say butterfly to them, and they wouldn't do it, but they want to meet that person, right? right? And then you don't even need to know their name. Like, I don't even actually ask people their names, for, right, because it's a waste of my time because people introduce themselves anyways. It's an extra step. No, you can, but it's an extra step, and it's not right. really actually functional. And then what happens is those people start talking. Well, you are the hub that brought them together. And you can steer the conversation by just talking about anything, bringing things up. And you, I've done that where then someone's behind one of the other two people, and then I say hi to them, and then I interrupt the two people speaking, and I don't even care what they're talking about or what they're saying, and I introduce that third person, and I'll have three or four people talking, right? And you don't have to do that, but it's really helpful. And that's how you do And the reason you do that, is because then they're talking. It doesn't matter, and it also doesn't matter how long they talk. I mean, sometimes people will talk for 10 seconds. Sometimes they'll talk for 10 minutes. Right. But the key is, is that when you walk around the room next, you will feel very comfortable when you see them with another group of people to go up to them and say hi because you feel like you know that person and you feel really confident and powerful because you're the person who brought them together. And when you go up and meet that other person and they're with other people, then they will introduce you to other people because they will feel like they have to. There's a law of reciprocity um, that's Mm -hmm. out there that basically says if someone does something for you, you will basically feel guilt or a certain feeling that you will have to repay them. And so that will always work. So they'll introduce all the people there. So now you'll meet all these new people, right? So for every one person you touch, you're probably going to get anywhere from, you know, two to five new people that you're going to meet. So now you're walking around a room and you can meet, you know, 20 to 50 people an hour. Well, at that point, you can do anything, right? You then don't worry about selling. What you do is you, you focus on building rapport, likability, and trust. And it's all about them, not about you. And then you're saying, hey, you know, I go to events and do stuff, and I'd love to get to know you better. Why don't we, you know, exchange information, right? And then you get their information, and you can set up a meeting with them and just talk to them, right? And don't sell them anything because they may not be in the mode to be sold to. You just go on that next meeting after that and add value and get to know them as a person and what's going on in their life. And then, you know, you bring up whatever business you are, and then you say to them, hey, if you know anyone who may be looking to do X, Y, and Z, right, um, please 
you know, send them my way. You know, I'm trying to build up my business and, you know, challenging and I'm out there hustling and doing whatever I can to provide exceptional value for people. And that way, that person doesn't feel like you're selling to them, but you see, they, they, but they'll, and they'll want to help you, most right. likely. Oh, of course. Right. Of course. You know, as you're explaining this, I'm thinking about many times that that's happened, you know, that I've introduced and connected people and then sort of ran out of people. <laughs> and went back to that person because I was like, okay, now I'm going to be a little kid and I'm going to run back over to that person that I introduced and say, hi, I'm back again. And they were talking to other people I didn't meet. So, you know, it, it really does work. It really It, it does work it really and you can work the room. And, and the key is, is the other thing is you want to, you got to be in the right room. So the key is, is that the best events to go to are where wealthy and social influencers go. And where do they go? They go to charity events. And they go to philanthropic events, meaning the symphony, opera, et cetera, right? Well, that's the organizations you should be joining. That's the organizations you should be going to because that is where all of your clients are sitting. Yeah. And so it's a gold mine. It is an absolute gold mine for finding and getting to know people. Um, and so that's, you know, and what I told people is like, okay, part of the business then is that, every, I mean, at least one or two nights a week, you should be going to these events and they're, you know, and it's pretty easy to find them if you Google them and uh, yeah. well, you can find the organization. Create your, that own, create your own meetup if that's what you want. If you like, you know, if you like underwater, you know, uh, basket weaving with puppy dogs, you can create your own, your own meetup for it. You know, you, you can, but you if know. you go, but, but if you go to American Heart Association, they have the people oh, already there. Yep, and they have the and they have the influencers and the people who have the money that are going to be doing the things that you want to get the highest value. So you want to go to the places where the money is already sitting, and you can and you can actually meet people that you actually may like to get to know, as well as doing business. And yeah. so the highest value places to go are those. And so you so the reason is is they're walking around a room full of hundred people, and probably ninety five out of hundred or 90 to 100, are actually very good prospects for you. Right. So that's the key. And the, those rooms are really rich for you. So as an individual, what you have to do is say, look, I mean, a, a one night a week from 6 to 8, I'm going to go to these, right, or 6 to 7 or something like that. You don't have to go for that long. You, you can go for 60 minutes and literally, you know, set your watch and say, I'm, I'm going to here at 6 and I'm going to leave at 7 no matter what. Well, you know, that's you can be extremely successful if that's what you do. Right, right. And I think, you know, I have a podcast called Know Before You Go. And so if you're listening to this, you can go back, you know, and listen to that. Because I think one of the key things about going to a networking event is making sure that you understand why you're going there and not just uh, being a wallflower. You know, socially you can do that kind of thing, but for business-wise, you know, you're going to spend an hour going there, you're going to spend an hour or two there, and you're going to spend an hour afterward, you know, fly, flying, uh, driving back home maybe. And then um, you're going to spend time setting up appointments and things like that. So if you're not going to do those things, if you, you truly aren't going to go there and meet people so that you can have appointments, then there's no sense going at all. You know, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make sense to go there. So, you know, make sure you... But don't tell me you can't get leads. But, but, but then don't, don't tell me you don't have any leads. Yeah. Because those, that place is the gold mine for leads. Like, those are your A-plus leads that are sitting there. I mean, I know I just went to an event, um, a charity event, uh, last month, and Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, is there. Well, don't tell me if you're a loan officer that meeting Jerry Jones, the owner of the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, would not be something valuable for you, right? Yeah. I mean, 
I'm not saying you're going to go meet him and something's going to happen, but it may, and there's a room full of other people. And because someone like that's there, odds are those people have influence, right? So the key is, is that you've got to figure out a path that you can move forward in and how to meet these people. Um, And it's not as hard as you think it is if you view the world as abundance. And you view as giving, helping, and inspiring is a key part of the reason you get out of bed every day and go to work and add value around it. And don't think of yourself as a loan officer doing a transaction because that's not really your business. You're helping people through a very stressful time, and you're helping them be successful. You're helping reduce that. I mean, you know, you, you need to be telling yourself the story because it's actually true. You're people are telling themselves other stories that are actually not helping themselves, right? So that's part of it, right? Your mindset is the first place, right? The answers are inside of you. I mean, all my clients, the first thing we work on is not external things because the problem is not the external world around them. It's not the CEO's problem is not that he could be a better leader or he can have better relationships or whatever it might be. It's the problems and challenges are lying inside of that person and unless you deal with those first, all the rest of this stuff won't make any sense because you're going to feel inauthentic. You're going to feel like a fraud. So you have to really focus on that part of it first, and then this stuff will become much easier. But you can do that very quickly. It's not, a, it's not like you have to sit there and focus on a mindset or a mentality that's going to take you, you know, 10 months to do. The key part of it for people listening to this is you just got to do it. I mean, if you don't do it, nothing will change. And you don't. And the perfect plan is never going to come. All the information is never going to be there. So what you're going to have to do is Google and look for charity events and practice some of the stuff we're talking about. And the reality is, is that I've had I've introduced probably a hundred thousand people and figured out at least, or maybe a couple hundred thousand. No one's ever laughed at me. No one's ever thrown a drink in my face. I've had clients do it, and it's never happened either. So there's probably there's millions of clients of mine that have introduced people to other people, and nothing like that has happened. Has someone looked at me and walked away? Yes, that doesn't even happen that often. It does happen. So that's the worst thing that's going to happen to you. Why not try it? What have you really got to lose? Right. No, I agree. I totally agree. And, you know, the thing is, I mean, everyone always talks about, it. you know, we don't – we don't want to lose – we think we're losing opportunities, but you don't even have the opportunity if you don't take a chance. To lose. You don't even have the opportunity to right. begin it's with, not, right? It's not, so. it's not there to lose. You don't even have it. So you can't lose something you don't have, you know. Um, well, that's wonderful, and I think that was very well said because that, that really drives home exactly what we're talking about, you know, specifically in the lending industry to, to make sure that people understand that we are not – you know, we're not a commodity. We're in – we're in an industry that is helping families, you know, move into homes or take care of their home and create wealth by doing that as well. So as we, as we end our time here together, Jason, is there something that you'd like to leave us with that you're very passionate about that you um, would like to make sure that we get from you or receive from you in, in full understanding? Uh, you know, I mean, I, you know, the, the things – that are, you know, top of mind right now. One of the things I'm doing that's really interesting is a guy named Jesse Eichler, and the last name is I-T-Z-L-E-R, is doing a challenge right now, um, and it's for a limited time, um, but in the month of January, about doing 2017, uh, like, sit-ups, pull-ups, 
uh-huh. um, and a couple different exercises, and they've raised like $100,000 to some pretty well-known people for charity, and people are doing it on their own. Um, and it's something great to do, you know, having goals and finding things like that in groups of people is very, um, I think really fun. And I've never done anything online and I've met all these people in this Facebook group. Um, so it's actually been empowering. So I'd say find things like that that you can get yourself into because I found the beginning of the year now that's something that's been, uh, really actually motivating to me. I mean, I, I think that people want to learn more about what I'm doing my coaching and other things and you know, link to my book, they can go to my website. Um, it's at J Jason and then T R E U.com. And they can go there to get all the information and there's, you know, a bunch of other stuff that they can get and freebies and other things on there as well. Okay. So I just want to make sure it's J T R E U.com. It's J A S O N T R E U. Yeah. My full name, full first and last name. Okay, wonderful. So again, Jason, thank you so much for um, shedding some light on how to work a room, how to work our one-to-one so that we can be, you know, extremely um, successful in doing that, but also so that we're using our time to the fullest, absolute fullest. And I love your, your, um, you know, short little ideas about doing roundtables and dinners with your A-pluses and pulling them together. You know, and I might just add on that, um, it doesn't have to be your A-plus realtors. It can be a, a mix of realtors and commercial yeah. lenders and, and insurance agents and plumbers, and, you know, everybody that you want to bring in so that they can um, do that. Or have a business mixer that does something like that as well. So I thank you so much for the opportunity, and I wish you all the luck in 2017. We hope that we get an opportunity at some point in time to see you on the stage at one of your speaking events so that we can learn more about Uh, you and what you do. So thank you again for joining us. And everybody, thank you so much for joining us. And I will catch you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Thank you for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a comment or rating. Get more free email updates, transcripts, selling and education resources, and Jen's upcoming speaking events. Just visit our website at kineticsparkconsulting.com.